Welcome to Lifting Leaders Podcast, where we are unleashing leader possibilities to make a better world. I'm Crystal Roberts, and together with Trisha Ryan, we're diving deeper into some of the complexities of the world's most critical challenges and exploring innovative ways of navigating through them. Through interviews with experts and leaders just like you, we're exploring what it takes to thrive as a leader today and examining new ways of thinking about how to creatively lead into a more equitable, socially responsible, and sustainable future. And the future starts now. Hi, Trisha. How are you doing today? I am so great. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Gosh, yeah. we finally have summer. I mean, officially, we finally have summer. We do. We've Ah. had some beautiful weather. Absolutely love it. I am really looking forward to speaking with our next guest. Yes. So we have a young person with us, and her name is Bailey Vale, actually, Dr. Ah. Vale. So congratulations to you, Bailey, on graduating just recently from medical school. And yes, thank you for for coming on our podcast with us and spending your bit of time before you start your residency uh, with us. I know you're really busy. So Mm. I'm going to dive more into Bailey's background and introduction in just a minute. But I wanted to first remind our listeners that we are currently in the middle of a several week focus on the critical challenges in the healthcare industry and conversation about where there is possibility and hope right now and in the future from different perspectives within the industry. We chose to have this focus because having good access to good healthcare is fundamental to making a better world. Mm -hmm. We often take it for granted that the system will just work and will be there for us when we need it. We know there were issues before the pandemic in the system and it is still reeling from the pandemic's impacts. We are hoping to bring attention to this critical field to both the challenges and the possibilities in an effort to spark energy and hope to move leaders into action in whatever way they can to support this critical system. So if you're a healthcare executive, maybe it is seeing an issue in a new way and providing coaching or development for your team. Or maybe you're a consumer. I think actually we're all consumers. Yes, we are. And you give an extra amount of gratitude to your provider the next time you visit your doctor. Maybe you start a conversation in your neighborhood or community to do what you can to support this critical system. Whatever is right for you, please do that. We can all make a difference. And most importantly, we wanted to take this opportunity to highlight and thank a few of these people who have worked and are going to work so hard and continue to work on behalf of all of us to make a better world. So a little introduction about Bailey, Dr. Vale. She grew up in Meridian, Idaho, and had an early interest in human behavior and mental health. This prompted her to study neuroscience and psychology at Washington State University in the Honors College where she featured her interest through assisting with psychological research and interning at a day program for people with severe persistent mental illness. After graduating, she worked as a case manager and CBRS worker for a mental health clinic where she assisted clients with accessing resources and care and in rebuilding life skills. This experience motivated her to work toward improving access to mental health care in Idaho, while attending medical school at the University of Washington, she continued working with underserved populations 
through experiences such as coordinating volunteers for a free clinic and completing rural public health research. She looks forward to beginning her psychiatry residency. When not training to become a psychiatrist, she enjoys hiking with her husband and dog, playing volleyball, reading, and attending as many concerts as she can. (laughs) Who's your favorite? Oh, my favorite concert ever. Oh, uh, maybe Green Day. Oh, um, I love as Green Day. As far as a combined experience of, and crowd energy, it was really fun. But it's really hard to choose just one. Mm, oh, we'll have to talk fun. about that sometime. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love Green Day. <laughs> so so such an accomplished young person you are already, right? And I just have to say, part of what brings us hope, right, is mm-hmm. our young people who are coming coming into their careers, just starting their careers. And you have so much to offer. So thank you for taking the time to be here. And I really love that you're here with us too. I'm, I really feel honored that we have, um, you coming in at the beginning of your career, you know, and, and you come with a different perspective, fresh set of eyes. And so this is going to be a lot of fun today. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. So let's dive in. So Tell us your story, Bailey. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, So like you already mentioned, I grew up in Meridian, Idaho. Uh, My mom worked as a medical laboratory scientist. So I grew up going with her to the lab and looking at things under the microscope. Mm. Um, And that really started my interest in medicine and um, a love of science and just kind of a a deep curiosity. my mom was a big role model for me and in, in pursuing medicine. And my dad worked uh, many blue collar jobs and really taught me the value of, of hard work and discipline and really always encouraged me to, to just pursue my dreams and to, to go on in my education. Um, but while my mom was really interested in cells and, um, you know, laboratory science, I found myself more drawn to people. I was an only child and I grew up just really interested in like watching the sibling pairs around me and, and noticing mm. how some were so similar and some were so different. Mm. Um, and so it really got me thinking like, what makes people who they are? And that question really drove me to study neuroscience and psychology. And it wasn't really until college that I realized how I could turn that into a career in mental health and specifically and psychiatry. Psychiatry felt like the perfect mesh of my interests in, in people and in science and medicine, and also a way to help people with their mental health. Both, I, I got this interest both through really supporting loved ones who were going through their own mental health concerns, and um, through, as you mentioned, doing some programs where I worked with people with chronic severe mental illness. So that I, I really found a passion there um, through doing those programs. And I it also um, helped me realize that there is a severe lack of psychiatrists, um, yeah. as well as just access to mental health care in general, especially in rural and underserved populations. And I realized that I could help address that through becoming a psychiatrist and through participating in advocacy work to to promote increasing access to mental health care. So I actually went into the University of Washington uh, School of Medicine already pretty set on becoming a psychiatrist, which is 
fairly rare. Uh, Most people kind of go in just knowing they want to be a doctor and going from there. But I was really gung-ho and was one of the rare few that each experience I had within psychiatry and in medicine in general just strengthened my resolve to go into psychiatry. So I'm very excited to get the opportunity to go on in my training and to become a psychiatrist. It feels like all of this hard work that I've put in is finally coming to fruition. Um, although I still have four, four more years of training, but it's still, it's still good to pause and um, I think acknowledge all, all of the work that's gone into getting to where I am at this point. Mm, it's so wonderful. It's like, you know, you've been gearing up, gearing up, getting all of the, you know, the foundational stuff out of the way. And now you get to finally practice it, right? Which is kind of exciting. I would think that would be, that's where the charge is. That's where, that's so amazing that you get to do that. You know, yeah. and you, you kind of answered our, go ahead. Oh, and I was just going to say that um, we actually dropped this episode on Monday and you were saying you actually start your residency on Monday. So I love that. Yeah. Stepping into that professional role as a doctor. So we don't have any expectation that you'll be sharing the <laughs> link with everybody that you're working with now. But, you know, if that happens. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I probably will. <laughs> well, well, you actually answered um, my question, which had to do with, you know, what kind of sparked you going into this, this area um, and making medicine a part of your career. But, but I'm wondering um, if, if at all, did COVID have an impact on the decision that you made and, or did it have any, were there any hiccups along the way as a result of what was going on with COVID? So I started medical school in August of 2019. Mm. So I had one semester really of normalcy, um, which I mean, medical school does not feel like normalcy, even in the best of times. <laughs> um, but then all of a sudden, everything went virtual. Mm. I had to learn anatomy on Zoom. Through, oh, wow. through, yes. Um, and I mean, I had to learn everything through Zoom for a semester. And that was one just challenging, um, having to completely change the way that I was learning And two, a little bit, I mean, we were all isolated, but we had just started building those fragile friendships and study groups and everything. And then we were all thrown to the wind to try and go it alone uh, through learning all of this intense information for medical school. Um, And that was the, those were the preclinical years. So that was challenging, but then going into our clinical years, right in the midst of a pandemic where I mean, when I started my internal medicine rotation, it was during, I believe, the Delta wave and almost all of our patients were COVID patients and just being thrown into it and seeing how much the trust between the medical establishment and patients was really fragile and seeing how much my attendings were getting burned out and yelled at. It, it It was a pretty harsh reality um, after, you know, working towards this for so long and, and seeing the actuality of what medicine can be when it's it's really tough. Um, but through that, I also saw some some moments that gave me hope, which were that the I, I saw really amazing attendings who were managing to bridge those gaps of uh, misunderstanding and misinformation that were 
just running rampant. Um, and I saw people supporting each other, um, reaching out and saying, hey, how are you doing after that patient interaction? I know that family was really upset with you for not being able to give them this treatment they saw on YouTube, um, for example. Yeah. Um, so I, <laughs> it was it was difficult, but I, I think that um, it solidified a desire to um, help overcome some of those problems that the that the pandemic just brought to light and i and i think it also did bring some good things such as an increase in use of telehealth to reach people i think that um, will be very useful even going beyond the pandemic isolation in increasing access to care so uh, while i had already made my decision to go into medicine i think it might have changed my focus a little bit more onto helping overcome these inequities that I saw in healthcare delivery and access. Yeah. I love that. And that the fact that it didn't sort of dissuade you from, from your decision. I mean, we know um, talking from others that people actually have left the profession. People with years of experience have said, this just isn't for me anymore. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I love that you stayed with it, even though it was really hard. Right. Yeah. And I saw people around me leaving um, and I couldn't blame them because you could you could just see the burnout and exhaustion and um, just compassion fatigue occurring. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it speaks volumes that there there need to be some changes in kind of the culture of healthcare, um, but also that you we have a bunch of very enthusiastic people coming into it who despite all of these challenges and being just confronted with the reality of what it can look like when it gets really tough in healthcare, we're still sticking with it. Yeah. I was just, you know, the thought just came to me about the measuring stick for people about what's bad has shifted. So you coming in just at the beginning um, of your career like you kind of came in at the worst, mm-hmm. like your measuring stick is completely different than most people's measuring sticks around what's bad. And so when going forward your whole career, it may not seem, I mean, we never know what's coming, right? So we can't, we don't, I don't even want to put that out there almost in the universe, but it, you know, everything else sort of pales probably in comparison. Yeah. Right. We've been, we've had to develop really good coping skills. Yeah. Um, at an early point in our careers yeah. and training um, that I think will serve us for the rest of our, it, our careers. Yeah. It has yeah. to be a foundation now, a point of reference for you so that as things come up in the world and yeah, we're not throwing it out there. We don't want to make things happen, but the reality is that we're living in a world now where things are very different. And so just having that point of reference might make the next whatever be a lot um, easier to cope with because you now have critical thinking skills as well in those areas that you may not have practiced before, right? So yeah, that's right. amazing. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. So the healthcare industry has made significant changes over time. Uh, where have you seen positive change and where do you see it needs to continue to evolve? Yeah, like I, I briefly mentioned the increased use of telehealth and um, yeah. technology to really increase access to healthcare, And that's something that brings me a lot of hope. And I hope conti- just continues to grow. 
both from just access to care and from kind of an ecologic or um, a green standpoint of if we can reach people who are way out in rural areas and not force them to drive two hours to come to an appointment, they'll be much more likely to come and you aren't wasting all that fuel to see them too. So that gives me hope. Also, I pay attention to all of the new treatments that are coming out for especially psychiatric conditions. And that gives me a lot of hope. There's so much research going on. And I think that that's just going to be revolutionary, really, the the new wave of treatments for that. And, you know, just seeing the um, way that my generation of healthcare providers, I think, has been trained really to recognize inequities within the system. And we are coming in with a lot of energy towards maybe making those changes in the system that should have been made earlier on and and, and are, are being worked on. But I think a whole new generation of healthcare providers who are really focused on improving the system itself, that gives me a lot of hope for where we're headed. Things that I think could really use our focus are, um, or that I guess kind of concern me where we are right now is especially the politicized, uh, the political yeah. changes within medicine yeah. and um, basically all of these policies that are taking the power away from healthcare providers and patients and making their own healthcare decisions. Yeah. That really concerns me, um, especially being from where I'm from, I think um, I, the providers in my state have had to confront this a lot. It's concerning to me. And I think that providers are being forced to realize that healthcare goes beyond the individual patient. You have to recognize the system that they're working within, whether it's from the governmental level whether it's their individual needs, whether they can drive, afford to drive to their appointments, afford their medications because the pharmaceutical companies have made a certain, or their insurance company has made a certain medication very expensive. I think it's all of these are really making it so that providers are having to kind of take on a new role of advocacy beyond just the individual patient in order to provide a good level of healthcare to all of their patients. So I think that's something at least that I really care about and hope to incorporate into my future practice. There's, I mean, there's a, there's other, I think, commonly talked about things, including, you know, how the medical record system and, and using the computer during patient interactions kind of diminishes the level of connection between the provider and patient. Yeah. And I think our medical schools are trying to work on teaching us how to incorporate the electronic health records, but not have it take over the the patient and provider interactions. So yeah. there, there's a lot, to, but I think yeah. that there's a lot of good work being done towards um, working on all of these. Yeah. So just so important, all those things that you said. And I was thinking, as you were talking, I was like, oh, I'm glad that we have Bailey being an advocate yes. for her for her people. I think that your patients just will definitely benefit from from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that um you've you mentioned like telehealth and that that was a huge plus um in my household when COVID hit. And I was hoping that it would stick. 
you know, it's one of those things that it's, it's great while you're using it. And if they don't see the value in it long term, they might just drop it. And I'm glad that it's actually taken, had some traction, you know, and that we're starting to see more and more people use that. In fact, I just did it the other day. And I thought, I love this. I love <laughs> the option. Yeah. But I would think it really opens up opportunities for you in your practice now, you know, as you're going forward, because that is now an option that might not have worked very well in the past, but certainly more and more people are accepting technology as a as a, a viable way to can make connections, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, it, it's being taught more specifically within our training programs too. Oh, so the, the providers that are coming out fresh from training actually receive um, education on how to properly use these technologies. So I think it's going to just become more effective. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So equity and inclusion are critical to success of any workplace, individual practices, and, and the clients and communities we serve. So why do you think this is important in the healthcare industry, and how will this show up in how you practice? I think alluded a little bit to my um, specific interests within healthcare equity, um, and I think this started when I was working as a case manager, helping people access care, um, you know, going into their homes and evaluating, okay, what are the barriers to getting you to your appointments? And I think until you do something like that, you don't realize just how many different barriers can exist, you know, just to even get them into the clinic. You know, there's transportation, there's their ideas and education about uh, the healthcare system. There's, you know, horrible histories and current healthcare inequities that make people not as willing to engage with the healthcare system. There's inability to access food and food deserts. There's so many different things that really affect a patient's health before they even see you as a provider. Mm, yeah. And so if you're not educated on, on these things and not continuously educating yourself on these factors, you're not going to be seeing the sort of improvements in health that you're hoping to help your patients achieve, mm -hmm. as well as who you're working with. It's very important to acknowledge how all of these inequities impact them as well, and even just can impact the patient and provider interactions. And yeah, it's, we have to, we really have to support each other. I think at, at our core, we have to make sure that we're aware of all of those, all of our privileges and all of the things that are impacting our patients and our the other providers around us in order to function well as a healthcare system. Yeah, that's so important, man. I hadn't even really thought about that. And for a doctor, you know, they're having to sort of widen their lens. Mm -hmm. So not yeah. just looking at specifically that person that's in front of you, but looking at the whole system. Yeah. You know, I would think that is, it would be great for the public to understand that better because, you know, there are a lot of people who, number one, have put their doctors up on pedestals all their all their lives, right? And so they've, they've got this view of this person up on high and they don't realize that, you know, they're thinking about more than just their discipline. And I didn't used to think that, honestly. I used to think that my doctor knew what my doctor knew, and that was it. And I didn't really think there was much else that she was looking at in the world that might influence how she interacts with me. And just hearing you say that makes me think that 
this is this profession is really evolving yeah. in a in a great way. I mean, this is going to put doctors back, hopefully get more people interested in becoming doctors because I know we've had a, an issue with that over the years. But if they know how much of the system, the whole system that they gain by going through medical school and how that informs and makes their practice more rich. I think that's a lovely, yeah. not just lovely. I mean, it's critical. I think it's wonderful that, um, that what you're saying tells me that we're on a, a really good trajectory to have better healthcare in the future. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So important. And one of those things is our environment. And I know I heard you mention a couple things about that. And so when we think about sustainability, I was actually really surprised when we, we started this series to learn that the healthcare industry is actually a key contributor to emissions and economic waste in the U.S. and around the globe. So many people point to your generation, maybe unfairly, but you're coming up, right, just starting careers as the hope for the world. And we've heard that when we actually have been asking people about our hope questions. And they're always about, oh, the new generation, the generation just coming up, uh, bring us hope. So what are you learning about sustainability and the healthcare industry through your, your training? Do they address that in your training? And how will this impact your own practice? I think that um, like most things, our programs could focus a lot more on this topic and probably should since it is a huge issue. And I think anyone who's spent any time in the healthcare setting can just see the waste as it's happening. Yes. Um, mm. You know, there's plastic everywhere, yeah. but it's, you know, some of it is hard really logistically to decrease and, and also maintain the standards of sterility and different things that you need to provide good healthcare. But at the same time, I think that more effort needs to be put towards reducing the waste because it is a huge issue. Uh, luckily in psychiatry, mm -hmm. there's maybe less waste than other, you know, more surgical or uh, procedural based specialties just because we uh, use less products. But I have seen recycling programs and different initiatives at different hospitals that I've been at that have been encouraging. Um, and I think telehealth will be a huge way of decreasing emissions that are produced from, you know, on both sides to get to healthcare appointments. But I, I think that it's, I think a lot of people are good, putting good work towards it, but it should receive more attention because it's a huge issue. Yeah. So Crystal and I believe that everyone is a leader. And thinking about the future leaders in your life in healthcare, what do you want them to know about you, your generation, and what you need from leaders? And what do you consider a good leader to be? It's hard to speak for a whole generation, but <laughs> we're putting all that on your shoulders right now, <laughs> <Yeah>. Billy. <laughs> Based off of my interactions and what I've observed, I would say that people should be aware that my generation has received a lot of education and has a lot of awareness about systemic injustices and ways that changes need to be made. And a lot of, they have a lot of energy towards making those changes as well. And it might come off as, you know, wanting to just undo the whole system or wanting to destabilize things that have been the same way for generations. 
Um, but I want them to know that it's coming from a good place of wanting to see improvements and wanting to be part of a system that we can be proud of and that provides really good care. Additionally, I think that my generation has a larger appreciation for work-life balance and, you know, being a human outside of work. And that does not mean that we are not willing to put in the a good amount of work while we are, you know, at the hospital or seeing patients. It just means that we don't necessarily agree with this ongoing culture of burnout and just putting in so much work that you don't even have the energy to enjoy your life outside of work. And I think that benefits the patient as well. You know, when you can approach each interaction with energy and actually be happy to be there. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And as far as what I see a good leader as being, I think there's a big spectrum of leadership. I've had attendings, for example, who are very exacting and, um, you know, demand a lot and don't really have much understanding for, you know, the fact that you're still learning and still are going to make mistakes. And when you're with those kinds of leaders or attendings, it, it can be hard to feel safe to try. Mm. And a lot of your, a lot of your motivation at that point is really extrinsic. It's coming from outside of you and you may not want to open up and take a risk and asking questions or trying something new in that case at the other end of the spectrum you've got kind of the laid back really cool attendings you know um, or leaders where they don't really ask much of you they don't give a ton of feedback other than oh you're doing great keep doing what you're doing Uh, And so at that point, any really motivation you have is entirely intrinsic and it's upon yourself, but you may not feel like you really have to push yourself or grow. Mm -hmm. My favorite um, leader or attending, they work with you and they will push you. And, but they also understand and create this culture of um, it's okay if you don't know, it's okay to try and fail and we will address whatever failure happened and work work towards making you the type of of leader and person that you want to be. Um, I've had attendings like this. They're the ones that I try to emulate and the ones that really pushed me to grow and also feel develop some confidence in myself through trying and through knowing that there's it's safe to try and safe to ask questions. Um, so those are my favorite types of leaders. They create opportunities for you. They give specific and actionable feedback and they they also request that from you and it feels like a partnership at that mm. point I think yeah. more than just someone leading you yeah love that and <sighs> so aligned with what we've been teaching yes right yeah Absolutely. and coaching too yeah and I that. love that you've got this feeling now you know mm-hmm. at the beginning of your career and not something that you've had to spend a great deal of time or years learning by um, falling down or watching a lot of failures or, you know, or being hitting a brick wall every time you didn't get the kind of leadership you were looking for. That happens over time. And then people do get a real view of what leadership is. And sometimes it's, it's, you know, kind of biased because of those experiences on the front end though, if you've got that expectation and you've got that vision of what a leader is and you've seen it, 
this is a great way to start your career. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm so excited for you. I really am. Mm-hmm. So this kind of draws on where you are at, just sort of this fresh place, just about to step in, but you've done all this work, right? So what advice do you have for those kids who may be in high school or even middle school? Um, I can't remember. You said it was early on. Do you remember when you actually first decided you wanted to go into medicine? I definitely had thought about it even back in middle school. And then in high school, I volunteered at the hospital and really solidified that desire more. Yeah. It's interesting. A lot of people, I would say, that go into the medical profession, it starts early. It wasn't our our last guest... um, I think she was seven. Pam, yeah, she was like seven or eight. She was sharing. <laughs> she knew all along, right? So, um, but what advice would you have for for those um, that are in like high school or middle school and considering wanting to go into medicine? What advice would you give them about that possibility and like how to achieve it? I would say my my first point would be to get experience in it as as soon as possible, as early as possible. Um, both through talking with different medical professionals and, if possible, doing some shadowing. Um, I think that until you kind of see what it actually looks like, it can be easy to have an idea um, that it might not be completely rea- like completely based in reality. Yeah. Um, so I think the more you see and the more you can understand the reality of what that that field looks like, the better. And I would say, you know, shadow a bunch of different specialties and uh, professions within the healthcare field. You may be surprised at the types of professions that you really enjoy. Beyond that, I would say hold on to the things that bring you joy and make sure you still make time for those things. Mm. It can feel really overwhelming. The process is a lot of work and it can feel at points like you're almost losing parts of yourself in order to pursue this. Um, So it's really important to hold on to those things that you enjoy doing and the people that you enjoy doing them with and that support you through that process. And not only will that help you maintain your sanity and maintain your well-being, but also programs like to hear that you're a person outside of your um, desire to be a doctor or, or whatever profession you're going into. So it's, it's important to hold on to those things that make you who you are and make you an interesting person. Yeah, great advice. Great advice. Thank you. It really is. So I know that you talked to Crystal before we had this interview today, and I think she may have mentioned that we have some hope questions, right? And so I'd like to start us off by asking you, where do you see signs of hope in the world today? I see signs of hope through the young people who are... And, and older people who are bringing energy and enthusiasm towards the things that they care about. Um, I know it can be really easy to get caught up in all of the bad news of the world and all of, you know, and let that hope fade. But there are people who just care a lot and are passionate about things. And it inspires me to hold on to those stories. And I do that within medicine too. Um, some days are really hard, but I try to pay attention and hold on to the really positive and inspiring interactions that I have with patients, the little victories along the way. And and that really gives me a lot of hope. That's 
Beautiful. And you may have like started answering the next question, which is how do you sustain hope in yourself and how do you engage or inspire others to be hopeful? Yeah. So beyond just paying attention to positive things that happen, I like to put action to my hope, if mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I really agree. When I get really down for instance on about policies that are being passed that I disagree with. I try to take action. I email my legislature. I, you know, call the governor. I, if I am putting action towards sharing, showing my voice and, and what talking about what I care about, that helps me at least feel like I'm doing something. Um, and, and sometimes those things do make a difference. And then I hold on to those to maintain my hope, I would say. And I try to find like-minded individuals who yeah. also care about those things or just to talk about what people do care about and find those things out and try and support them in um, taking action. Mm, love that. I do too. So if you could come up with one word, just one word, Bailey, okay, <laughs> that represents hope for you, what would that word be and why? It's a difficult one, but um, I think it would be aspire. Mm. I think aspire takes hope and gives it some action and intention, which to me is what helps me hold on to hope. You know, if I, if I just kind of passively hope something will happen, that's not as easy to hold on to or to make it feel as real to me as if I have an intention of supporting that hope of taking action to make it happen. And I also think it just helps us if we aspire towards things, we can maintain hope and we can move in a direction that feels positive in our lives. That's beautiful. Mm, so well said. Yeah. So looking forward, what are you really excited about? What's next for you? Yeah. <laughs> we kind of know a little bit about that. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of gave that one away. <laughs> yeah, that one's a little obvious. I am very excited to start residency um, this coming Monday. And um, it, you know, getting to focus on my interests within psychiatry and getting to learn about psychotherapy, that's something mm. I'm really excited about and something that I haven't received any training in so far. Um, I'm excited to meet my co-residents and future mentors and also to start seeing patients as a doctor for the first time, even though I'm low man on the totem pole. <laughs> I'm still very excited for that new level of responsibility and uh, to build those connections. Yeah. Well, gosh. Uh, so inspiring. <laughs> My heart is full right now, I tell you. <laughs> no, I love it. I, I just feel like there's so much hope yeah. and possibility mm. in what I've heard you say. And oh my gosh, I, yeah. this has been... This has been amazing. I'm really glad that you took the time to... You gave us your time today. That, that has been... Yeah. It's been an eye-opener. I was wondering how people who are just entering the industry were feeling about the industry, given all of the stuff that's gone on. Yeah. And so it does feel hopeful. And I do appreciate you being so candid. It's yeah. wonderful. And we really need, I mean, we know, right, that the world has so much more need right now for psychiatrists. And to to add you to the to the group makes makes the world a better place. 
It really does. Yeah. yeah. That, means, that means a lot to hear. And I really appreciate you having me on this podcast um, to share my thoughts. I I look forward to um, being able to listen back to this episode yeah. and, you know, once I'm further on in my training and see how I'm feeling and kind of yeah. look back my hope and hopefully it's still going strong. <laughs> well, we wish you a world yeah. of success. I think you're, you're well on your way. It's yeah. Gonna be fun to Thank watch you. you. Yeah. And Truly, I know you're going to be crazy busy with your residency, mm -hmm. but yeah, I almost heard that little bit of invitation there. So we would love to check back in with you yes. in six months or a year or something to see how you are doing. Uh, love that. That would, that would Maybe be fun. Maybe we could do like, you know, a, a snippet <laughs> on in Bailey. the life of Bailey. Yeah, we could like follow your career for a while. That might be a lot of fun, actually. Oh, that's yeah, cute. that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. And um uh, best of luck in, in, in your next four years. Yeah. Thanks so much, Bailey. All right. Thanks for having Bye. me. Bye. So was that amazing or what? Dr. Bailey Vale. Oh my gosh. And she starts on Monday. Monday. I ah. know. Yeah, that was, that was wonderful. It filled, like you said, it filled my heart. I feel so much hope and I'm so inspired. Like she said, you can't represent her whole generation, and I think she did a good job of that, of really, you know, it's like that, that is what gives us hope is to see these people who are so committed to equity, sustainability, making things better, having a whole life and like all those things. It was just like the authenticity, wow. you know, it yeah. was amazing. And honestly, for somebody who had very little prep time before coming to our interview, because Honestly, we didn't have her on our docket for very long, but honestly, she's got polish and panache. And I really, I'm, I'm sure this is going to carry over in her new career, yeah. but oh, that was such a gift for us today. And it's a gift for our listeners. I hope that they're all just experiencing what we are right now. This has been, that was yeah. impactful. Yeah. It was very impactful. I was thinking that Bailey is such a gift for her clients and, and her patients going into the future. And, and she's already been impacting people. So yeah, what a, what a great way to end our interviews mm -hmm. of this series. Our next part of this series, the very last segment will actually be a round table yes. and we will be bringing back Jack Schlosser Yay. and uh, he was a co-host. If you haven't listened, he, he was a co-host for our interview with Marcel Lowe and we will be bringing in a couple of new people that will help us sort of digest and think about what do these, all these interviews together what kind of themes can we mm -hmm. uh, are emerging here what do we want to take away from this series what does that mean for the future of a lot of things healthcare, yeah. coaching whatever right right so yeah. yeah so let's keep that conversation going if you have questions or comments about the show you can find us on all our social media channels at lifting underscore leaders there are so many exceptional podcasts coming up, more with fantastic guests like Dr. Bailey Vale. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you know someone who would find this episode inspiring, share it with them, text them, email them, or take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram and tag us at lifting underscore leaders. 
If you'd like to know more about us, our guests, or the show, please go to our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com. You'll find show notes there as well. If you're looking for help in developing your leaders or would like a growth opportunity yourself through leader coaching, please contact us through our website at www.liftingleaderspodcast.com. Thank you to Ari Chance Roberts for his technical support of our show, including today when we needed him. <laughs> Lastly, please subscribe to our podcast. It's free. Crystal, thank you so much for co-hosting and for bringing Bailey to us. Yeah, I'm going to give a little special shout out yes, here to please. my daughter, Sydney Roberts, who helped us uh, connect with Bailey. Yay, Sid. We love that. Thank you so much. And thank you to our audience for listening. We really do appreciate you. Find ways every day to lift each other up. Have a great week. Bye.